Welcome to another edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. Tonight, we are going to do an NFC, NFL, NFC preview of every team in the NFC. We are two weeks away from week one of the NFL calendar. Week one's going to kick off Thursday night. September the 10th, we have the Chiefs hosting the Houston Texans. The world champion Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead are going to be hosting the Texans. So tonight we are going to give you an NFC preview of every single team. And then in the next episode of the podcast, episode, we are going to do an AFC preview. So definitely take a take a look and take a listen to our previews of both the AFC and the NFC conferences. We're going to go break down team by team, give you some uh, nuggets about each team heading into the season. As you know, training camp for the all the NFL teams is well underway now. Uh, teams are all kind of in their own little bubble in each of their own cities. Lots of different uh, COVID protocols are in place for all of these teams. We have rosters have been limited to 80 players instead of 90 in training camp. There are no preseason games. There's very strict testing going on at all these facilities for everybody from media uh, members to players to staff members, coaches, anybody that's in any uh, virtually any kind of contact with players or anybody in the organization is being tested. So... Lots of uh, lots of things going on. They've, the NFL has done a pretty good job from all indications as far as they've had very minimal uh, positive tests. They did have, you may have seen the article in the paper uh, on, uh, on the diff- related to some negative, some false, some false positive tests. They were sending their tests to a specific uh, testing center up in New Jersey, and it sounds like there were some issues with the with the contamination of some of the samples they've gotten that issue resolved and I believe they'll be changing test centers they, they're, they're using multiple test centers around the country to help expedite the testing but one test center in New Jersey apparently had some issues with uh, some false positives uh, but the but but in all in all the NFL has done a pretty good job uh, you, you've heard no major issues with testing issues uh, you have heard some some players have tested positive, but they've they've been removed, they've been quarantined, they've been retested, all that good stuff. So uh, another nugget before we get to each team is uh, each team will be allowed to kind of make their own determination on crowds, especially early in the season. That it's not going to be a uniform uh, NFL policy related to how many people can go to each each game each. City, each NFL city is going to be responsible for coordinating their own kind of attendance numbers. And you've you've heard some figures with different places around the country from, you know, 15,000 to 20,000. Certain places are not able to have any fans early in the season. I've heard some reports out of California. I don't think the Rams and the Chargers are going to be able to have any fans early. Uh, Vegas is probably going to be limited early. I'm not sure about Kansas City on opening night. Uh, but I don't think they're they're projected to have any fans. So most likely, you probably won't see any fans in week in the first couple of weeks of the season in the NFL. But I th- I do think you will see some uh, uh, some fans in the buildings as we get to the quarter pole of the season, week four, week five kind of deal. I think you will see some uh, fans. So 
those of you that are in NFL cities, uh, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, I imagine it'll probably be a situation where you'll rotate games in which you can go to. Because obviously, if you're in a 70,000 seat stadium, they can only take 15,000. That means about one in every, you know, four or five technically uh, season ticket holders will get to go to per game. So season ticket holders, I would imagine, are probably be on a schedule if they do retain their season tickets this year. They'll be able to go to a couple games a year at max, I would guess, but I'm sure that'll be a organization-by-organization policy. So, uh, exciting. Uh, Again, Kind of the, they've kind of been out of the headlines a little bit because there are no preseason games. We would be in about uh, preseason week three right now. Um, and again, rosters have been cut to 80, so there's going to be a difficult time for a lot of the younger players. The bottom 10 spots on every on every roster typically goes to younger guys, so it's going to be very interesting to see how these general managers and head coaches devise their own roster and how they uh, decide to keep the, the last eight or 10 guys on their roster. Uh, practice squads are being expanded this year to kind of help uh, with the possible possibility of positive tests with COVID. Um, but again, I think the 53-man roster is going to be the same, but I think the, the practice squads are being expanded, I believe, 16 guys per team for a total of about 69 players. So again, you will see some cuts here in the next uh, couple of weeks as teams shave their roster down to 53. Uh, there have been some injuries in the preseason that we'll talk about here with the team by team. But again, all in all, most teams are in a pretty decent spot heading into uh, the last couple of weeks prior to week one. So let's get right to it. We are going to start in my hometown division, the NFC South. We are going to talk Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady, probably the biggest offseason move of the offseason in the league. Obviously, ending his run, his 20-year run in New England, the, the 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 Buccaneers made the big move, getting Brady two-year contract, 50 million, with a potential to go to 60. Again, uh, those of you that don't know, I predicted this back in January, back on my radio show, that Brady would be a Buccaneer, well before most everybody else. So I do have to take a little credit for that. Um, but again, Tom Brady. Kind of has been his own, his own uh, has run his own little training camp in the offseason. He took a little heat in the offseason. He was having workouts prior to training camp. He had a lot of the receivers together, tight ends, all those kind of guys together, practicing during kind of the COVID uh, issue where there was a lot of uh, criticism of Brady having workouts. But he did have those workouts together with his guys because he knew, I think he knew training camp was going to be very limited. So, uh, but Brady and company, other big acquisitions. Rob Gronkowski joins the mix. Um, big move, getting Gronkowski. They're going to have a devastating tight end room with Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cam Brate. You pair Brady with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and you have a terrific offensive firepower. Should definitely, <coughs> excuse me, should definitely be a top five offensive team. Again. For the Buccaneers, keeping Tom Brady upright is going to be critical with the offensive line. They they addressed that in the draft with first-round dr- draft pick Tristan Wirfs, who's going to be playing right tackle. The, for the Buccaneers, the, the one of the big questions coming into this uh, training camp is how will Tom Brady's kind of short passing game attack blend with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich's kind of down-the-field throws. By- Byron and Bruce like the seven-step drop. 
but I will. I do think you'll see a lot of uh, blending and hybrid uh, offensive play calling with what Brady likes to do. Uh, I do think you'll see a lot of intermediate routes, a lot of the 10 or 12, 15-yard routes, maybe not as much, many of the deep balls, but you will see some deep balls, no doubt. I think, again, Tom has been uh, handcuffed the last several years in New England with lack of offensive talent around him. I do think you're going to see a rejuvenated Tom in the, in the passing game. And again, for the Buccaneers, they got to run the ball. Ronald Jones probably is going to be the number one back. And the other things about the Buccaneers, the defense is improving. Definitely, uh, they're... Devin White was has been a rock-solid middle linebacker, great first-round draft pick. The secondary, got three young stars in the secondary, uh, uh, really ascending players, Carlton Davis, uh, Bunting Harris, and uh, drafted a couple safeties as well. For the Buccaneers, you have to win more games at home. They were 2-6 in 2019 at home. They were seven and nine on the year. If you, if you, again, if you go four and four at home last year, they'd have made the playoffs most likely. And again, you have Shaq Barrett returning after a uh, monster season. He was put on the franchise tag, led the league in sacks last year. Can he answer that challenge again? He and JPP. You got Vita Vea and Adama Sue. So a big year expected out of the Buccaneers here in Tampa. Major playoff expectations. Uh, and again, I think Tom Brady will be the guy who's the difference maker for the Bucks. So look for the Bucks in the playoffs 2020. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints, the defending division winners, 13 and 3 in 2019. You got Drew Brees, you got Mike Thomas, Cam Jordan are kind of the three impact players. Again, the Saints playoff heartbreak for the third year in, in a row. Kirk Cousins went to New Orleans last year and won late in New Orleans to get the monkey off his back. They've, they've been defeated in three straight, just demoralizing playoff games. Uh, First-round draft pick this year was Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, offensive line help. New Orleans has always done a good job fortifying the offensive line for Breeze and the running attack. New Orleans 7-1 on the road in 2019, a tremendous job by Sean Payton winning games on the road. That's That was the key to them winning that division. Um if you're Drew Brees, had some very sensitive offseason comments that, that drew a lot of criticism amongst his teammates and around the league. How will the locker room embrace Drew? You know, obviously he had to apologize. He made some, he made some fairly, I would say, uh, naive comments uh, concerning uh, the African, his African-American teammates and the flag and all that kind of good stuff. So how will that play out, especially if they get off to a shaky start? Uh, Tampa Bay comes to New Orleans week one. No crowd in New Orleans. So that'll be that'll be a uh, in high 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 leverage game early. Uh, that's going to be the Fox game on week one, the late the late game. But the New Orleans Saints always a solid team in the NFC South. Sean Payton been there forever. Most likely Drew Brees' last year in New Orleans. They did re-sign uh, Taysom Hill. They brought in Jameis Winston as a backup. I think a very good move for New Orleans. It has some insurance. On a very low cost deal for Jameis, and that, I think Jameis is going to get a lot out of working with Peyton and Breeze for this year. So the New Orleans Saints, thirteen and three. Let's head to Carolina. New regime in Carolina. Matt Rule coming over from Baylor got a huge contract to leave Baylor to come to Carolina. You got a new owner, David Tepper, in Carolina, kind of overhauling the franchise in the last couple years. Uh, Ron Rivera was relieved last year, and they didn't keep Perry Fuel. Big uh, quarterback signing, no more Cam Newton, brought in Teddy Bridgewater. 
You have the uh, all-pro running back Christian McCaffrey just signed a huge offseason contract. They've locked him up for the next four years. Carolina's in a full rebuild. I think they're in a rebuild mode. You know, nobody's expecting them to win. Obviously, Matt Rule's never coached in the NFL as a head coach. He was an offensive line coach for the Giants briefly before he went to the to become a head coach in college. How will they, you know, adapt to his system? Joe Brady comes over from LSU as the new OC. He and Bridgewater have a little bit of history, but uh, again, will Joe Brady's offense, his devastating offense from the LSU, will that translate to the NFL? Can Teddy Bridgewater do it in the NFL as a big as far as running that kind of offense? Does he have enough arm strength to do it? Can he stay healthy? Uh, I do see this as a, as a long year in Carolina. They they were five and eleven last year. They drafted Derek Brown, the defensive lineman from Auburn, to help fortify the defensive line in round one. Uh, they had some free agent acquisitions, Robbie Anderson, to go along with uh, the other guy, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Again, you got McCaffrey. No more Greg Olson. He's gone. Um, so how will Matt Rule year one ha- handle himself in the NFL, the rigors of the NFL? No offseason, no OTAs. That will be To me, that's going to be a team that's going to really suffer from not having that offseason program will be the Carolina Panthers, so I do look for them to be at the bottom of the division this year. And last but not least, let's go to Atlanta. The Falcons were 7-9 and nine in 2019. Again, this is a make-or-break, uh, do-or-die kind of year for Dimitrov and, and uh, Dan Quinn. They were almost fired last year at the, at the bye week. They were really struggling. I'll give uh, Dan Quinn credit. He made multiple coaching changes at the, at, during the bye week, reassigned guys to do different spots. Raheem Morris took over as defensive coordinator. They did very well the last uh, seven games of the year. They had a big finish to save Quinn's job. They did finish 7-9. and nine. Again, defense, defense, defense is where this team has struggled. They've never had an issue on offense. Matt Ryan's solid as a rock. Julio Jones, you know, Ridley at, at, at receiver. Um, <clears throat> no more Devontae Freeman. You got Todd Gurley in the mix. Again, is, is his knee healthy? Who knows? I think he's going to be on a pitch count. You got Dirk Cutter running the offense. Calvin or not, Calvin Ridley. This is probably going to be the year Ridley really rises to the forefront. He and Julio Jones might be the will be a top five wide receiving core in the league, no doubt about it, with all the attention that Julio Jones gets. Calvin Ridley has just been has been ascending the last couple of years. Uh, First-round draft pick this year in the draft, they they went defense, which they had to. They went A.J. Terrell, cornerback Clemson. And again, can Dan Quinn put together a a defense that can keep people under 24 points because that's where they've really struggled. Again, Raheem Morris takes over midseason last year, did a pretty good job. But do they have enough pass rush to to affect the Tom Brady's, the breezes of the world, other teams in the NFC? So, Major question. Again, make or break year for Dan Quinn. If they don't make the playoffs, he's out. Absolutely no doubt about it. Dimitrov might be out as well. Um, again, Dan uh, Arthur Blanks has been very, very, very patient with that group. But, but again, there will be no more patience after this year if the Atlanta Falcons are not in the playoffs. So there's your NFC South preview. Again, you got comments, suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Tweet us at, at @kickthefb is the is my Twitter handle at @kickthefb like football but fb. Uh, we are transitioning our podcast from Libsyn to Red Circle. 
courtesy of uh, and major thanks to TJ Reeves and the Three Dog Thursday podcast for helping us make the transition over to Red Circles. But you can still catch us on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends about us. Again, NFC, we're going to get heavy in the NFL in the fall. We're going to be we're going to be on every we're going to have an episode for you every week. So definitely check us out on all the uh, all your whatever podcast platform you, you're, you're checking us out and tell a friend. Love to hear from you. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna give you nuggets. We're gonna talk gambling. We're gonna talk picking games. All that good stuff here on the Powers on Sports podcast. So tell tell your friends. It's a good listen. We try to keep it clean so you can tell your you know all your friends. Your you, if you got your teenage kids, if you got youngsters, they can listen. All good information. We're here to provide good info on the NFL. We're gonna talk college football as well. College football starts in a couple weeks. We're going to talk baseball playoffs. you got hockey playoffs going on, the NBA. It's a very, very, very strong fall season for sports, and we'll be here to break it down for you. Let's go to the NFC East. How about them Cowboys? The Cowboys. Dak Prescott gets the franchise tag. They cannot come to a long-term deal with Dak and Jerry Jones. Jerry's going to make Dak play it out. Can Dak is Dak the guy? We don't know. You know the the Cowboys don't know. They sounds like they made a pretty strong offer, thirty plus million dollars. Dak sounds like he wants to get you know close to forty. Dak ain't a forty million dollar quarterback, man. I, I don't care if you're Jerry Jones and you pay Dak thirty five, thirty seven, thirty eight million dollars. You are out of your mind. Good quarterback he is. Thirty million bucks is is the most I'm paying Dak Prescott. No offense to Dak. But he's just not. He he's he's had weapons. He's had talent. He's had Zeke. He's had Amari Cooper. I'm not paying Dak Prescott more than thirty million dollars. Maybe thirty two, but I'm not going above thirty two million dollars. If Dak goes, you draft another quarterback and you start over if you have to. You got Mike McCarthy coming on board, the former Green Bay coach. He's very quarterback. Uh, he's a very good quarterbacks coach. Good offensive guy. He was, he, you know, his 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 downfall in Green Bay was he, he was a little bit vanilla in, on offense when it comes to formation, scheme, uh, you know, creativity on offense. He was uh, he, he got accused of being pretty predictable with Green Bay and Rodgers in the in the latter years in Green Bay. Mari Cooper's back. They re-signed him. C.D. Lamb, first round draft pick, wide receiver, Oklahoma, kind of fell to them in the first round, so that's a good move. You pair him with. Gallup and Amari Cooper. You got Zeke Elliott. You still got a good offensive line. Plenty of offensive talent in Dallas. They should score a bunch of points. Again, if McCarthy's offensive scheme has has evolved during his couple years off, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, again, that's to me that's going to be the key is is how well how is the play calling going to go in Dallas on defense? They they were pretty good on defense last year. Couple acquisitions: Gerald McCoy, who they acquired. Via free agency, he's already hurt. He's out for the year with a quad injury. He was released early in training camp after rupturing a quad. The name to be looking out for in Dallas, Earl Thomas, who was just released by Baltimore. Most you you may see Earl Thomas in Dallas. He was he was slated to go to Dallas. Wanted to go to Dallas a couple years ago when Seattle released him. So be on the strong lookout for Earl Thomas to either go to Dallas or potentially back to Seattle. Um, a kind of sneaky good signing for the Cowboys in the offseason was Greg Zerline, the kicker from the Rams. Their kicking game in Dallas had struggled the last couple of years. 
Zerline is a top flight kicker. He'll do a good job in Dallas. So again, special teams is kind of the hidden part of the game that kind of gets overlooked, but a good move. Greg Zerline uh, going to Dallas. So uh, keep an eye on the Cowboys. But again, make or break year for Dak. He'll have all the weapons he can ever want here in Dallas. We'll see, we'll see what Dak can do. In Philly, the 9-7 Eagles last year. What a job by Doug Peterson to get that team to the playoffs. Depleted like nobody's business at wide receiver. Greg Ward was your number one receiver at the end of the year. Greg who? Yeah, Greg Ward. Remember the quarterback who played at Houston? He got converted to receiver. Um, did a pretty good job. Carson Wentz had a good year. Again, they were just so depleted on offense. Come playoff time, they just they really had no shot against Seattle just from an uh, offensive perspective. The, again, 2020, can Wentz, can Wentz stay healthy again for another year? It looked like he's bulked up in the offseason. He came to training camp very jacked up. The wide receiving core had to get addressed, and it did. Deshaun Jackson's back. They drafted Jalen Rager out of TCU in the first round. Uh, they got they have Alshon Jeffrey back. You got Zach Ertz. You got Goddard. You got Miles Sanders. So they've got a pretty good offensive scheme if the guys can stay healthy, especially at wide receiver. But a major uh, uh, again, yeah. Deshaun Jackson made 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 some uh, anti-Semitic comments in the offseason. That didn't go over real well around the league. So again, we'll see how it'll be interesting to see how he's mingling in in the locker room uh, in Philadelphia. But uh, Again, Peterson, good coach, really good coach for the Eagles. Again, 9-7 and seven last year. They'll be right there in the mix. This is a two-team division, in my opinion. Dallas and Philly are going to battle it out for the division title. I don't think the Giants and the Redskins are going to be in the mix for the division title. Wouldn't shock me if both Philly and Dallas make the playoffs. Uh, but again, we, this will definitely be a division uh, won by the Cowboys or the Eagles, most likely by who wins those division games. So those are the key games. So definitely uh, good job, continued good work at Philadelphia. Um, they just lost their left tackle, Andre Dillard. Just, just announced he has a bicep injury. He's going to be out for the year, so kind of a hole at left tackle. Be interesting to see what they do at left tackle. <coughs> Moving forward, let's move, to the Met, uh, let's move to MetLife and the New York Giants. New coach Joe Judge in the, in the mix this year, coming off a 4-12 and year. Uh, Pat Shermer got a go at, uh, last year. He was a two-year uh, disaster in New York. The one good thing is they did draft Daniel Jones last year. Solid, solid rookie year out of Duke. Uh, give credit to Gettleman for do, for drafting Jones. You brought in Joe Judge. You have Saquon Barkley. Got to keep him healthy. Can you get some offensive line help for Saquon and Daniel Jones? Because Saquon's not been able to really explode because the offensive line has been so inconsistent. So can you find an offensive line that can keep Jones upright and open up some holes for Daniel Jones to even think about being competitive? The defense is still not very good in New York. The defense lost uh, Xavier McKinney, broken foot. Two starters got injured this week, both of them. Again, McKinney was a rookie, and another linebacker was injured who was a projected starter. So, again, the Giants' defense has, has not been very good the last several years. I don't anticipate them being very good this year. First-round draft pick, Andrew Thomas, again, to help fortify that offensive line. The pick out of Georgia, probably the best offensive lineman in the draft. He'll be, an, he'll be a plug-and-play instant starter for the Giants, I would imagine. Um, but, again, offensive line is critical in the defense. Can the defense 
get into the top 15 in the league. And if they do, the Giants will be competitive. If they're outside the top 15, I think it's another long year in New York. Joe Judge with some, with some uh, camp, training camp news, kind of new philosophy of, 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 of very structured training camp practices, running his guys after mistakes, making guys run laps, even making coaches run laps. Very interesting to see. If how how the how the locker room is gonna take to all that kind of that that stuff, will the locker room appreciate that, or will they kind of turn on on Judge early here in New York? But Judge is a New York uh, is a Patriot uh, disciple of Belichick as well as Nick Saban at Alabama, so Joe Judge gets this shot to be the head coach of the New York Giants. But I I do see a, a, a year one struggle for Judge and the Giants. Jason Garrett comes over from Dallas as the OC former head coach with the Cowboys. So it'll be interesting to see how that offensive scheme, again, blends with Daniel Jones and his skills. Let's head to D.C. and the now Washington Football Club, not the Redskins. Again, the Redskins have been had all kind of offseason turmoil related to the to the name change, to Daniel Snyder. Huge story about, a, uh, about sexual harassment within the organization. Uh, pointing at Daniel Snyder and many people in the organization have been run out of there. The play, the uh, play-by-play guy was run out. Several uh, executives in the player personnel area have been run out. They brought in Ron Rivera from the from Carolina um, early in the process, early in the offseason last year. He was kind of targeted as soon as he was fired from Carolina. He and Snyder were already discussing the job before the season was even over. Uh, Rivera announced just recently he's been diagnosed with a form of cancer. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes with him as far as him having, will he have to step away from the team at some point for treatments? They do have Jack Del Rio uh, in the mix as the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So he'd be the next guy in line to take over if uh, when Ron, if Ron did have to step away for a period of time. But I this is, again, this is going to be a year, again, Alex Smith, what a miraculous comeback this guy's made from his shattered leg. If you've seen, definitely uh, would encourage you to check out the ESPN uh, documentary on him, on his recovery. Question is for Alex, is he a, is this a, is he a viable player? Or if you're the Redskins, do you, do you see what you, you find out what you have in Dwayne Haskins? Haskins played the last half of last year, did okay, didn't have a lot around him on offense. Um other than Adrian Peterson, you had Terry McLaurin, McLaren, who had a nice rookie year, kind of a surprise guy out of Ohio State. You did have more offseason issues in the offseason here recently with Darius Geis, who was released with a, uh, you know, with a sexual, with a battery charge of a, a domestic violence issue. He was released outright. So you basically have Adrian Peterson, who's on his last leg, and a bunch of other guys at running back, wide receiver wise. You still don't have any dominant wide receivers other than McLaren. McLaurin's pretty is probably your number one, but he's really not a number one. Your tight end situation: Jordan Reed's gone, Vernon Davis is gone. First round draft pick was Chase Young, edge rusher, Ohio State. Again, consensus best defensive player in the draft. They are going to have a very, very, very good defensive line. You got the Alabama boys. You got Ryan Kerrigan. You got Chase Young. Very good front seven, pretty good defense in Washington. So I think the D, I think their strategy this year is going to try to be they're going to try to win a lot of twenty-one to seventeen kind of games, shorten the games, minimize possessions, see if you can steal some games late. 
They'll probably be a thorn in the side of some people because of their defense, but I don't see the Redskins being uh, in the mix for the division title. I'm going to say another 6-10 and 10 kind of year in Washington. Uh, <clears throat> and again, the biggest thing for the Redskins is they need to get their organization in order. They did hire the first black president in NFL history, which is a good job. Jason Wright was a, is a former player. He's the new Redskins president who's going to be in charge of the new nicknet, trying to figure out the new name. Again, if you're the Washington Redskins, you have to get your name stuff in. You got to get your organizational culture in place. Okay, when that gets in place, then the, then the winning on the field will begin to happen or become more more relevant, and more possible. But again, I do see another long year in Washington. So there is your NFC East preview. Let's head to the NFC North, the former Norris Division. Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit. We're going to start in Detroit first. Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, year three of the Patriot experiment up in Detroit. GM, coach, both from the Patriot uh, tree. Is Matt Stafford, is this guy a winner or is he a compiler? Is this Can this guy win big games or is he just a great stats accumulator when this team's down 28 to 14, 35, 17, He's great at yardage and throwing the ball around, but can this guy will a team to the playoffs? I know the Detroit Lions have not been great over the years, but Matt Stafford has a reputation of having a tough time to win against good teams, winning games they need to win. Can Stafford be a winner? Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, they are on the hot seat. They've been given the they've been put on notice by the, the new ownership group. The Fords are still owner, owner, owning the club, but there's a new new Ford in charge. Martha Ford stepped down. I think I believe her daughter took over. But there's pretty much been a ultimatum: you better make the playoffs or you're gone in Detroit. So, um, first round draft pick this year, Jeffrey Okuda, Ohio State cornerback. Again, top flight quarterback, cornerback out of uh, out of Ohio State. They needed help at corner. They lost Darius. They traded away Darius Slay to Philadelphia. You, so you have to fortify. You have to have a, a cornerback. Patriots. Several Patriots got brought in the mix via free agency. You brought in Harmon. You brought in Jamie Collins. You brought in Danny Shelton. So you got several Patriots who know the Patricia standard of uh, know the defense and also the culture that Matt wants to get along get across in Detroit. Matt's had a difficult time getting the culture across with his with his players in Detroit. So. Again, a critical year for Matt Patricia, coming off a 3-12-1 year in 19. Again, he and Quinn will, are, are attached at the hip, so I think if one goes, they're both going to go. Or if they both make it, they're both going to make it. Uh, so be on the look. Detroit, this this could be a team that surprises. they got good wide receivers. you got Kenny Galladay. You got, they drafted DeAndre Swift to go along with Kerryon Johnson. Again, can Matt Stafford... Can he win big games? Is this guy just a compiler, or is he a big game player? Let's head to Minnesota. 10-6 Vikings in 2019, playoff appearance. They went to New Orleans and, and beat the Saints in a very impressive game by Kirk Cousins. He finally got the, the playoff monkey off his back. Could Kirk Cousins win a big game? He proved he could. He got it done in New Orleans through the winning touchdown late in New Orleans to Kyle Rudolph. Great job. 
the defense has gone through an, a rebuild. A lot of guys on that defense that, that, that have been very good the last four or five years are gone. Everson Griffin's gone. You got a couple uh, DBs that are gone. Um, they are remaking that defense with Mike Zimmer. Again, Zimmer is a defensive guy, so I would have confidence that he can rebuild that defense in fairly quick manner. First-round draft pick this year, uh, Justin Jefferson. He's there to replace Stephon Diggs, who was traded to Buffalo. Diggs was unhappy in, in Minnesota. You, you always heard him bitching and complaining about the ball, number of balls he was getting. Jefferson and Thielen will probably be a pretty decent tandem. You got Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Dalvin Cook, last year of his contract, there's been rumblings out of Dalvin. He's not going to play if he doesn't get a contract. He has reported to training camp. But again, look for a potential uh, new deal for Dalvin Cook prior to just prior to the season starting. If not, again, you're going to see a very motivated Dalvin Cook if he doesn't, if he continues to play without a contract. He is in a free agent year. Really, really good running back when he stays healthy and the offensive line is getting better in Minnesota. And again, can Kirk Cousins keep it up keep winning those games he's supposed to win he again he got the monkey off his back last year we'll see if that propels him to another good year coming off a 10 and 6 season let's head to the windy city chicago illinois the 8 and 8 chicago bears coming to 2020 the biggest question for the bears who's the quarterback is it mitch trubisky is it nick Foles? trubisky as you know as you all well know was picked ahead of patrick mahomes Picked ahead of Deshaun Watson. The Bears traded up to get Trubisky. He has been a, I won't say a failure. He's not been a failure, but he's been a disappointment so far. Had a really good second year. Year three last year, very inconsistent. Matt Nagy, not very pleased. They bring in Nick Foles from Jacksonville. Nick's a very experienced guy. The question is, who wins that job? Do they go with the experience in Foles? Knowing that this is a big year for Nagy, you have a you have a still an elite defense with with Khalil Mack and company on defense. You still got a top ten defense in Chicago, but can you afford to, to, to waste four or five weeks of the season to see if if Trubisky can do it? Trubisky's got the more mobility, better arm strength, but again, Foles is the smarter guy, more conservative, not as risky with the ball, knows offense a little bit better, and knows how to read defense. I think Nick Foles will get the first shot in Chicago. With Trubisky coming off the bench, potentially, don't be surprised if this is kind of a back-and-forth uh, uh, shuffle shuffleboard kind of situation with Chicago. Um, again, is Matt Nagy a big coach? He had a great first year as, as the Bear coach last year. Again, 8-8. Eight and eight. Again, hit a lot of things on offense. Lot, he got a lot of criticism on his offensive uh, game planning last year, like it was fairly predictable. Is that a function of Nick, Mitch Trubisky, or is that a function of the players? They don't have any dynamic, super dynamic players on offense in Chicago. The running back, David Montgomery, just got injured, going to be out two to four weeks, which means he's probably going to miss week one of the regular season. Um, wide receiving core is good, not great. You had some guys, uh, again, with this being a COVID year, some guys are going to opt out, but again, does Chicago have enough offensive firepower to be a factor in the in the division? I think it's a three-team horse race between Green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota. Again, if, if, if Foles plays well, Chicago can very easily be in the mix because of that defense. And again, Khalil Mack, it's time to play. Again, again we don't need the games where you have two or three sacks. We need consistency over 16 games. Not a great year last year out of Khalil Mack. 
Last but not least, let's head to the division champions, the Green Bay Packers, 13-3. Matt LaFleur, year two. The big news in the offseason out of Green Bay is the drafting of Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Utah State. Surprised everybody at the draft by taking him. Pretty much Aaron Rodgers has come out with some strong comments saying he's not going to finish his career in Green Bay. He's probably got one to two years left at most in Green Bay before he's gone because of salary cap reasons and Jordan Love. So you're going to see a motivated, motivated, motivated Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is back on the market now that uh, there's no more uh, Danica Patrick in the picture. Maybe he'll go back to the Munn, the uh, Olivia Munn. Who knows? But Rodgers, still, still grumpy as can be. Still estranged from his family from all indications. All that good stuff. So you're going to see a, a motivated Aaron Rodgers. The one thing Green Bay did not address in the offseason, which was their Achilles heel last year, was the wide receiver position. Shockingly, they don't take a wide receiver in any of the first four rounds. They didn't take a wide receiver in the whole draft. They took Jordan Love round one, A.J. Dillon running back round two when you already have Aaron Jones. This was a tremendous wide receiver draft. Very, very high amounts of criticism being laid on the Green Bay uh, front office by not taking a wide receiver. You have Devontae Adams. Devin Funches was in the mix, but he's now injured. He's hurt. They uh, believe they uh, they have a rising player at tight end, Jay Sternberger. If you remember him from Texas A&M from a couple years ago, I think he's going to be a surprisingly good player. You got, again, Aaron Jones, good running back last year of his contract, good offensive line. Can you find somebody else to throw the ball to other than Devontae Adams? Interesting question in Green Bay. So that is your NFC North. Again, I think Green Bay, Minnesota is probably the one-two in that division. I think the Bears are going to be in the mix as well. Uh, I don't think Green Bay will be thirteen and three again. I think the winner of that division's ten and six kind of number. I think I think teams in that division will beat each other up, and you'll see a lot of parity in that division because all four teams are pretty decent. Last, let's go to the NFC West Super Bowl runner-ups. San Francisco 49ers, 13-3, below the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Chiefs in, Super, in the Super Bowl. Will there be a Super Bowl hangover for John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, and company? Jimmy G, how much do they believe in Jimmy G? Didn't, show, didn't, didn't look like they believed in Jimmy G a whole lot in the Super Bowl in that fourth quarter. Jimmy G did not deliver when they needed him. Can Kyle Shanahan win big games? This guy has lost now two epic Super Bowls that he should have probably won as a coach. Blew the lead in it with the Falcons as the OC with the Falcons against the Patriots. And again, last year's head coach, up 10 points fourth quarter. Can't can't put a drive together to, to, to run the clock out and win the game. Hell of a play caller Kyle Shanahan is, but can the guy coach big games and win the games he's got to win when the chips are on the table? Is Jimmy G a big enough quarterback to get them over the top and win them the Super Bowl? That's the question that they have to answer this year. Lost Emmanuel Sanders in free agency. They just re-signed George Kittle to a huge uh, extension, so they've locked him up at tight end. First-round draft pick, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, Arizona State, as well as Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, South Carolina. Kinlaw replaces Brent, uh, DeForest Buckner, who was traded to the Colts for a first-round draft pick. 
We'll talk about the Colts next in the next episode in the AFC preview. But Ken Law kind of will step into that spot to help that 49er uh, defensive line, who's lo- they've already are loaded with Solomon Thomas, Bosa, uh, D. Ford. The defense is really good with Robert Robert Sala leading that defense. So I think the defense is going to be really good. But again, another question for the Niners: Do they have a second receiver, Debo Samuel's? who's kind of their rising star from last year, rookie last year, broken foot. When will he be ready? Probably not by the regular season opener. Sanders is gone. Do you have enough receivers at the wide receiver position to, to open up the field for George Kittle? The running game was great last year with, with Breida, with Mostert. They did re-sign Mostert. Breida got traded to Miami. But Shanahan knows how to, how to design running game. Shanahan is probably the best play call play designer of, of run of runs in the league he's a tremendous uh, run uh, run designer Joe Staley retired they did they did acquire uh Trent Williams from the Redskins another big move in the offseason to fortify the, the left tackle spot that's an upgrade over Joe Staley so again look for the 49ers to be a dominant running game play action team again can you find it can you find enough receiver help enough yards at the receiver position can I do it can Debo Samuel stay healthy? And obviously with George Kittle. And I think this team will be right there in the mix again for another division title and another strong run in the playoffs. But again, can Kyle Shanahan win the big game come playoff time? Seattle, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, 11 and 5 in 2019. Russell Wilson in the offensive line. To me, that's the key to their team this year. Russell's has, has gotten to 30 years old. People don't think he's been in the league that long, but he has been. Russell's a top five quarterback, no doubt about it. He has shown his ability to throw the ball from the pocket, on the run, on the move. They great pick uh, last year with DJ uh, DK Metcalf at wide receiver, a great find to team up with Lockett, uh, tight end. They've kind of a mix match the tight ends in the in the running back position. Chris Carson at tight end. You got Penny at tight end. I like the running. I like the running backs. But can the offensive line, that has been their Achilles heel the last several years is offensive line play and consistency. Can you keep the Russell Wilson from having to run all over the place to make plays? He's a hell of a player, but he can, eventually all the running around is going to get him hit. And if he gets hit, he's going to get hurt eventually. He's been very durable. Is their window closing in Seattle? They, they, they've got Wilson on a, on a big contract. He's due to get another big contract here soon. Is their window closing? Do they have enough pieces around Russell Wilson to go to the promised land? Home field advantage for Seattle has not been what it used to be. They were only four and four at home last year in 19. When they've been dominant, they've been a six and one or seven and one, eight and no kind of team at home, where the twelfth man has become a major, major influence in the game. No fans in the in the in the stadium early is going to really affect the Seahawks, I think. That is one of the top three places in the league to have to play on the road. So again, no fans in, in twenty in twenty twenty will really be a detriment here to the Seahawks. I think um, first round draft pick Jordan Brooks, linebacker, Texas Tech, might have been a reach there. You know, I probably could have had him in, in round two. Lots of people thought he was a reach. Um, we'll see. John Schneider's not been afraid to be a gambler whether it comes to trading draft picks away. Whether it's reaching for players and certain, uh, you know, too soon. Again, Earl Thomas is Earl Thomas. Did he did he burn that bridge? 
when he left Seattle, or is there is there is there still some room for him to potentially come back to Seattle? Interesting question. Again, Seattle will be a good team. Will they? I don't think they will win the division, but I think they'll definitely be in the wild card mix in the hunt this year. Let's go to the nine and seven. 2019 9 and 7 LA Rams. No Todd Gurley, no more Brandon Cooks, both of those guys gone. Zerline gone. Defensive losses have lost several guys on defense. Clay Matthews gone. Littleton gone. The big move they made in 19 was acquiring Jalen Ramsey for two number ones from Jacksonville. But again, do they have enough defense? I don't think they have enough defense. I think their defense is going to struggle. No more Wade Phillips calling the defensive plays in, in L.A. Goff, Jared Goff. Can Goff function at a high level if he doesn't have an elite running game? You have, you, you've got uh, Cooper Cup. You've got Robert Woods. Again, you have, you have some receivers, but do you have a true number one receiver? Not saying you have to have one in McVay's offense because, again, he's a very good play designer, but you do have to have a good running game. They did draft Cam Akers out of Florida State. He could be a fantasy surprise. Be, be on the lookout for him or Darrell Henderson to be the lead back in Los Angeles. Probably going to be a committee work. I think you'll see both those guys. Cam is a very good out of the backfield because he could be your kind of your work done kind of guy, scat back kind of guy. And then Darrell Henderson could be your in-between-the-tackles goal line kind of guy. So got to get a solid running game in place. They have salary cap issues, which is really hamstrung some of their personnel moves. The offensive line is another year older. You got Whitworth playing left tackle at almost 40 years old. That could be a problem. But again, big year for McVay. They did go nine and seven last year, respectable. But again, some of the some of the allure and luster kind of got came off of McVay last year, uh, following his Super Bowl loss in the first in year one, in year two, I mean, with the Rams. So uh, I do not expect the Rams to win the division, but again, they could be a, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven kind of team vying for that last wild card spot in the NFC. Kind of the wild card team in this division, the Arizona Cardinals. Year two of Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. That experiment, they actually did a pretty decent job on offense last year, I thought. Uh, I think Kingsbury did a pretty decent job coaching that team. They were 5-10-1, but they were very competitive. They almost beat the Niners twice, took them to the wire. They were very competitive in a lot of games. Uh, the defense was not good enough, nearly good enough last year. Uh, you do have some uh, – you have to continue to build that defense. you got Chandler Jones, first-round draft pick. You have Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, who's kind of that hybrid – linebacker, safety kind of guy who can do a lot of different things. He'll, he'll be an instant upgrade on defense for them. They just signed Buda Baker, their safety, to a, to a mega deal, highest paid safety in football. So, again, they got a couple players, but you have a, enough players on defense because Arizona's going to score some points. Arizona with a steal, maybe the second best acquisition in the offseason with DeAndre Hopkins, stole him from the Houston Texans for basically a third-round pick in David Johnson who was making a ton of money at running back. Every team would do that deal 100 times out of 100. So great job by Steve Kime to get DeAndre Hopkins. The question is, can you sign DeAndre Hopkins to a long-term deal without him grumbling and mumbling and, and, and not being very happy? They did get Larry Fitzgerald to come back for one more year to play the slot. I think that'll be a good mix with him and DeAndre. You got Christian Kirk as well on the outside. I think that's. I think the offense is going to be good. You got running back, quality running back and – 
Kenyon Drake. Division wins is the key for the Cardinals this year. They were 1-5 in the division in 2019 to win this rugged of a division. And it's rugged. You've got to win some division games. You've got to be minimum 3-3, three and three, if not 4-2, and two, to be even competitive in the division. So critical for Kingsbury to win those close games. Uh, you got to kick the ball better. A couple of those games were, were decided on kicks, makes or misses. You got to kick the ball better if you're Arizona. If you're Arizona, Kyler Murray's got to do a better job not taking so many sacks. The offensive line did a decent job last year. Murray's got to throw the ball away more, be more solid in his reading of the offense, reading out, you know, reading out the the, the play, the the plays, the reads. So if you're Kyler Murray, do what the offense allows you to do. Don't try to run around. You can't. This is not Texas. This is not Oklahoma where you can run around. You're going to get hit and you're going to get caught. Do not run around. He is not a designed runner of the ball. He is a scrambler thrower. But if you're Kyler Murray, you gotta you got to execute the offense. It's a good offense with Kingsbury. Did a pretty good job calling the plays and did a good job coaching. So year two under Kingsbury, I think, I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a pest for a lot of teams. I think they're going to be improved. I, I'm guessing seven and nine. I don't, I don't think they make the playoffs this year, but they're going to be one of those teams you don't want to have to play late in the year if you're a team in the NFC, if you're vying for a playoff spot because that's an upset waiting to happen. So there you have it, NFC preview. You will have to wait till the eve of week one for I'll give you all my division picks. I've kind of given you some leans of where I'm leaning, who I like in these divisions. But official division picks will come the week of week one of the NFL season. I'll give you all the all my predictions on division winners. I'll give you my Super Bowl teams. And I'll even pick a Super Bowl champion for you. Hint, hint. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa, 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 Tampa. Tom, Tom, Tom. Mel, Mel, Mel. Like my boy Caliendo and, and McShay and, and Mel Kuyper. Mel, Mel, Mel. Todd, Todd, Todd. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. If you haven't figured out where I'm leaning, Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. So, I do think my Buccaneers are going to be a deep, deep, deep run in the NFC. So, have a great week. Next episode will be the AFC preview. Check us out. We're on Red Circle right now. Moving to Red Circle from Libsyn. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Stitcher. We're on spotify so tell all your tell some friends if you like the nfl you've got some good information check it out we'll see you next time on the powers on sports podcast